Hello, hello, and welcome to episode three of Pandemic All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Miracle. And if it seems like Jacob is calling in from like a mountaintop, it's it's pretty accurate. He is not here with me. We are practicing our social distancing. So Jacob is doing a phone in. Jacob, how does it feel? Uh, you know, it feels pretty good not to have to necessarily wear pants when we're doing the show. Oh, wow. Is that, is that, don't act like that's a change up from normal. I mean, not really. <laughs> at least you get to be more comfortable in this scenario, though. It's really weird when we're at the library and it happens, though. It sure is. Yeah, I'm here in sweatpants. Um, I have my new kitten near me, so that's really what's getting me through all of this. Oh, you, you gotta, oh that's right. You do have the new kitten. Yeah. I'm jealous of you on that. Hey, man, why don't you get another one? They still have two more in this litter. Cause, well, because mine is 15 years old. And she's a crotchety old lady, so I don't know how she would deal with another cat. She might my my, my one is eighteen and he's a crotchety old man and he just ignores her except when she bites his tail and then he smacks her in the face. So that's been that's been a good time. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. I got a feeling my cat would do something very similar to that. Yeah. But otherwise you are you bored or are you able to entertain yourself? Well, I mean I'm a gamer. So that's fun, but I'm getting really good at NBA 2K20 at this point, which is pretty awesome. Wow, what a skill. Luckily, you're a reader, so you're probably in your glory right now. I do I do enjoy reading time. I can't lie about that. But all in all, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of miserable. And I was watching something the other day and thinking like, oh, this would be a moment to be like a robot where you could just go through life, but you wouldn't feel any of these terrible feelings. No, you wouldn't get feelings. You wouldn't catch any viruses. Well, at least not the organic kind. <laughs> it's like, like the perfect storm if you were uh, some kind of robot going around. Totally. And as we you know, tackle a pandemic, I would say the world is changing from moment to moment. And I'm sure that a lot of these are reorienting the way that we use technological tools. So I felt like this is a good time to kind of talk about artificial intelligence. Um, the whole, I think, universal desire to smooth out the rough edges of human biology through it and how often that ends up making it into uh, movies and books. The, the rough edges on humans. That's a very diplomatic way of putting it. <laughs> and I think most of these movies leave us with the question, will a smart machine, like in this crazy moment in time, bring salvation or destruction? Uh, well, destruction, of course. Oh, well, that's... I, I, think, I think we're all in pretty much in agreement that that's, that's how it's all going down in the future. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, so the idea of smart machines that may serve or you know, as you said, destroy humanity, are, I think I saw as old as a Samuel Butler 1872 novel. It's called Earwan. Um, and then all the way up to last week's episode of Westworld, which I'm not watching right now. Should I be watching it? Because for real, season two just made me feel so dumb. Really? Well, I'm, let me tell you this. Season three has, um, they've simplified the plot so it's easier to follow. And boy, it is gone. It has done rebounded very nicely. Season three has been awesome so far. For real? It, yeah, it, it took like the first three episodes of the usual setup ones. Like, okay, what's happening now? And then the last two episodes, especially this week's, when you see like what the plan is and everything, you're like, oh boy, I like where this is going. It's I mean, pretty, pretty I want to love it because I love AI representations in film and books, 
but I don't know. That's a tough one. No, you should definitely give uh, this season of Westworld a try. It, it is rebounded very nicely. Um, and I'm not just saying that because there's been an increase in Tessa Thompson's writing. This oh, you and I am not. We know you love you love Tessa so much. Do you know what's crazy though? Like how popular that is. Um, it's it's like shocking that so Metropolis, which is like the first AI film. Have you seen it? Are you familiar? The silent film? You no, know, I'm, I'm familiar with it, but I've actually never seen it. Okay, I'm going to actually talk about that one. But that debuted in 1927, and then we're all the way, you know, 2020, and we haven't even gotten to 100 movies about AI. It's weird, isn't it? it yeah, it's like, like... It's, you'd think it's like people are talking about it all the time, but the movies are not, they're not really catching up. No, and, and even the ones that they have... Out of those hundred, like, we're not going to talk about these movies, obviously, but, like, the Terminator movies, there are, like, seven of them. It's like, yeah, that's it's really like true. Big... It's taking up all of it. I, I would say that, in general, I'm super afraid of AI movies and books because I'm scared of that technology. But I would also like to preface that with I am also have been super afraid of dystopian books that lead with viruses and pandemics, so... I know what to be afraid of here. Well, at least you've got plenty of uh, preference or preparation for our current situation through your uh, through your media choices. Yes, that is super true. Um, yeah, and that's why I'm just like afraid of these things because the idea. So you, Jacob, if you made a machine and it can think like you do, which is horrifying at its own level. But moving on, if it could reason... That's a horrifying concept for everybody, I think. (laughs) Truly, it can reason and manipulate, imagine, create, destroy, innovate, and is, of course, better at you than a lot of these things. But imagine if someone asked you to do a specific job without thinking about anything else, would you be able to do it? Which, like, no. You can't do... one thing and not think about anything else and I think that the same goes with machines and that you cannot expect an intelligent machine to do just what it was designed to do it will think it will analyze and it will decide you know what its new purpose is and that is why I think these movies are popular because those are the thoughts going through probably not just my head no I think it's going through everybody's head when they're watching it I mean it just seems so obvious that like the way that they're going to replace us at some point in the future. They have all, like, they're going to have all of our, like, um, good stuff about us and, like, none of our physical weaknesses. It's a terrifying concept. We'll just wait and till the. the... <laughs> no, go ahead. They're built, in our, they're built in our image, which basically means that they're going to go after everything that's weaker than them and try to wipe them out, which is us. So, you know, that's fun. That's something to look forward to. See, this is why people tune in, because they're really trying to escape this pandemic, and we're making it so much easier when now talking about the artificial intelligence takeover. Yeah, we, 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 uh, we get to ignore the way we're probably all going to go, and we get to imagine a way that's well, in the future. So it's all it's the same kind of concept. Yay. It's more fun Super exciting. So I'm going to start. We'll hop into some movies. The first one, I mean, I, I as I mentioned, I have to start with Metropolis because that is of really course. starting at the beginning, and there is no more kind of a grandiose beginning than Fritz Lang's 1927's epic sci-fi film. So it had groundbreaking visuals for its time. I mean, if you see it now, you might be like, what? But, you know, it's 27 here. And a plot that has stood 
um, The Test of Time. And it's been really influential to a lot of similar films like Blade Runner to Black Mirror. And I think that you can see the echo of its ideas in almost every content created after that has a similar theme. So this should be considered the first serious science fiction film, giving us not only very advanced machinery to look at, um, which I think, by the way, changed our collective vision of what the future looked like, but it's also a biting social commentary on the implications of human interactions with machines. And that has inspired um, maybe even the molding for imaginary and real i don't know ai creations to come mostly the plot for anyone who hasn't seen it is like a mad scientist builds a beautiful but deadly machine woman to replace his lost love and spoiler alert it does not go well (laughs) so it's it's a shocker but it's definitely worth seeing i saw it not that long ago it was always on my list and i'm like i'm such a fan of this genre i should check it out and i was still very impressed by it that's good. It's always good when you go back and watch some of those like really old movies and if they still actually kind of work for you, you know? Yeah, definitely. I definitely have, I mean, silent films really have their moment. I think that would be a great one for like North Park to bring back and when they bring like the band with them so that you hear the music live and get to watch it. I think it would be really good that way. But Call me crazy, but I do think that like some of the silent movies, I think those actually aged better than like when you watch like something like Citizen Kane because boy, some of those old movies are just boring as sin. But some of the silent ones, there's some fun to be had if you're watching those ones. You know, you get in the mood for it. I no, I, I really I highly agree. But all right, so what do you have for AI? All right, well you kind of brought it up in that last sort of mention. I'm gonna go ahead and go with the Blade Runner series, both it's the original from nineteen eighty two and the uh, the new one they did 2049 in uh, 2017. Yeah, you can't really have an episode about AI without Blade Runner. Yeah, I mean, you even talked about it. Like, you said Metropolis kind of built the people's idea of, like, a sci-fi world where Blade Runner really took the uh, the ball and ran with it. Because pretty much any time people think about future dystopia, Ridley Scott's vision in the 1982 movie is, like, kind of what they think. Mm-hmm. It's It's... It's pretty amazing when you think about it, like flying cars and video boards all around. We haven't even gotten there yet, even though we're, you know, like 20 years past where that movie was set. <laughs> yeah. They're a little generous <laughs> with our future plans. I always appreciate that going to watch, like, sci-fi movies from the 70s, because they're always so generous on how far we're going to get. Yeah, but, totally. Oh, thanks, guys. I like how intelligent you thought we were going to be. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. um, but if you haven't seen it, the first one um, is about a, a Blade Runner played by Harrison Ford named Deckard, who gets hired to go catch a group of rogue replicants, which are basically just androids, like androids, not human, like human-shaped robots used for, like, manual labor and stuff. Anyways, they go on the run, they start killing some people after a rebellion, and his job is to go and find them and, you know, get rid of them. But then, as he starts to get in, not only does he start to question himself, he starts to wonder, like, what is the ethics of creating these machines and then them not necessarily knowing that they are machines and then they also start to gain free will and like small kind of humanity as we're growing and it becomes a kind of an issue of well we kind of just treat them like machines because we're humans and we're terrible yeah but at what point but at what point do they become actual thinking living beings that you have to treat with respect and not just something you like a creation of yours that you can abuse 
Yeah. It's like a subtle, it's a subtle thing that's built into both movies. And it's something that the better sci-fi movies are starting to really contend with. Even like the Matrix in their, um, when they did like their spin-off movies, they started to dig into that because it's something to think about that once AI starts to become self-aware or gets to the point where it can start to get like think for itself, which it's starting to do now, you got to really think at what point does it gain sentience and which point does it start to be an actual living being that you can't just wander around and treat. And this is one that kind of starts to delve into that, and especially when it gets to the point where maybe the machines themselves don't even know that they're machines. Yeah. So they just think they're living, and then they have to they have people trying to treat. They're just treating them like objects, and they don't really get why. They think they're the same as everybody else. It's a really interesting sci-fi concept. I, I do think more. that we have to let people know, though, and this kills me forever because science fiction is my favorite genre, I don't really like the movies that much. No, you know what? The first Blade Runner is pretty boring, except for the last, like, 20 minutes. I know, but everybody loves it, so I'm always like, well, it must be me that's wrong. I think it's just a Ridley Scott thing. Like, his movies are notorious boring, but they're usually good, but boy, they take forever to get there. I will say that the book that it's based on, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick, is that book is a total masterpiece ahead of its time, and I'm a huge fan of that. So even if you happen to be one of the people, even if you liked or disliked the film, um, you should definitely check out the book and then just read everything by Philip K. Dick if you want your mind blown repeatedly because he's crazy. Yeah, pretty much. You, you want to see the guy who basically built the minds of all our great sci-fi people? He's one of the ones up there, him and Heinemann. They're yeah. two of the big ones. Totally. Okay, so I'm going to move on to another movie. This is like currently writing the top of some of my favorite AI film, but Ex Machina. I know you've seen that. Oh, Love that movie. So good. I, I love Alex Garland. Pretty much everything he does now, I love so much. But this is another one of those, like, scientists never learn. They're always assembling hot lady androids who are way out of their league in every way. Well, um, I mean, I mean, yeah. If I, if I could create a robot that looked like Alicia Vikander, I would follow it. It's true. It's just, it's, it's weird science forever. But this film is about genius inventor and CEO, he, Bateman, who's played by Oscar Isaac. And he invites a programmer that works for his company, Caleb, to his secluded mansion to flirt with this lovely bot, Ava, which is, as you said, Alicia Vikander. And Caleb ends up falling for her. And then all hell breaks loose. And by all hell, I mean Ava breaks loose. But this came out in 2014. And what I like about it is it's using the Turing test, which is the same test that's in Blade Runner for proving capabilities and consciousness of an artificial intelligence. Um, and this particular AI is on a whole new level as it uses self-awareness, imagination, manipulation, sexuality, and empathy to really dupe the human interrogator um, who's falling for her and its creator and you know I, I don't want to give the ending away but some unfortunate things happen and it's one of those movies that raises an important question which are you know are sentient AI's projected feelings always just an act of manipulation that mimics human, human emotions which you know real world logic says like yes it's never going to be real. That's why we keep running into these issues. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie so much. I mean, just the way it's shot, it's filmed, even the, especially the performances. Alicia Vikander is amazing. She deserved her Oscar. 
like just it's the subtlety. Like when you see when she's doing the interviews with uh, um, Gleason in there, um, you can just see that like there's always like a pause when he's talking to her early on when you see the machine kind of figuring out the response. And as the movie goes and it starts to evolve, that becomes less and less. It starts, as you said, with the Turing test, it starts to become more and more seem like it's uh, like totally sentient on its own. I mean, and then just the way that it's this human personality training takes over in the end, it's just it's a great, great sci-fi movie and amazing performances all around. Yeah, she did not, I mean, she did not win an Oscar for that. She won that for like Danish Girl or something. Oh, really? I got that mixed up. I thought she won for uh, Ex Machina. No, no, no. She won Best Supporting for Danish Girl. But, I mean, she could have for this. She's fantastic. I love everything that Alex Garland's currently doing. I just rewatched Annihilation. That um, monster bear dog thing is not any less horrifying. And I'm watching his new show on Hulu that devs, which is super weird. So, and that's kind Which of has I, like an AI element to it. It's more of like a supercomputer that can do way more than any supercomputer should be doing. I'm, I'm like doing the uh, the Legion with that show. I'm waiting until it's all done so I can watch it in one big swoop so I don't like miss any details. So I got to feel like it's going to be a little intricate. Yeah, that's it's definitely one you have to pay attention to. But okay, I feel like I went on about Ex Machina forever. So what else do you have? All right, I'm going to go with 2015 Chappie. Which uh, stars Charlito Copley and Hugh Jackman. Oh, Chappie! Yeah, I saw. I saw Chappie. Chappie was like cute. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those movies people kind of like, clapped on at the time because they were expect they didn't they were having a trouble with this guy after uh, District Five, District Nine, and Elysium came out. Um, but I actually thought Chappie was really good. Like, I don't understand what all the hate about it. Was. I mean, I thought it was um, okay. It was definitely, it was no District 9, though. Like, I thought District 9 was a masterpiece. This is, I couldn't say the same thing. But I loved the actors. Who who was in it that's in that, that rap group? I oh. can't remember their name, but they are, like, surprisingly good in this movie. Like, they were incredible. Sure. I'm so mad. I'm going to have to think of it while you keep talking. It's going to come to me. Um, but basically, uh, Chappie is a uh, robot who's, like, a reprogrammed uh, police bot. Basically, like, kind of what they're trying to do with RoboCop in South Africa, where they're helping, them, helping the police guard everybody. Um, but then it starts to become, like, self-aware as it's reprogrammed and put into use. It's You know, it's another one of those, the longer robots are in use, the more humanity they kind of gain. It's kind of an idea, because you know that one day they're going to eventually replace police with machines. That just seems like a thing they were going. And you know what? As I'm standing here thinking about it, I actually thought of a AI movie that I like better than Shanty, and that's kind of the same thing. I am going to go ahead and re-recommend 1986 and early 90s Short Circuit 1 and 2. <laughs> Are we allowed to recommend Short Circuit because of its terribly racist moments? It is ridiculously racist, but isn't that fun 80s kind of racism? <laughs> it's when people we, somehow we are... didn't know that having a white man darken his skin and act like an Indian man was not offensive. What was wrong with these people in the 80s, man? Look, man, Reagan was in the White House. <laughs> that wasn't racist. It, it was, was, just, it was a, it was a different, time, different time, very wild. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Short Circuit 1 and 2, man, the original with Gutenberg and Ari Sheedy and, of course, Fisher Stevens, when uh, a new robot security bot, a kill bot, basically, again, you can see where all these are coming from, gets yeah. struck by lightning, and then next thing you know, that striking lightning kind of gives it sentience, and it starts out being like a little child, and then just 
through reading and more data, as machine as it keeps saying. Uh, number Johnny Five just keeps learning and learning and becoming more and more human. Johnny Five, and more adorable. As the, oh no, I just I did mean, the racist voice because it's always in my head of him saying it. Yeah, number oh. Johnny Five. You can't, you can't help it once no, you see that movie it's once. So terrible. Um, but oh man, like especially the second one. Like they were just one of those our infamous like um, Saturday afternoon movies on Fox. Like they used to play these movies on repeat. I love them. So much, man. Yeah. The short circuit movies, so good. If you haven't seen them, you be sure to watch Chappie because it's good. But if you really want to see robots learning sentience from childhood, man, short circuit, that's the way to go. That's right the way, that's the way to go. Okay. So I have a million more really good ones. So I think we'll either break this into we'll do this again next week or maybe we'll just do it further down in the future um, because there's some really good stuff on here that I want people to check out but the next one that I have to talk about is Robot and Frank have you seen that movie? I've seen the cover a million times but I've never watched it it's super cute so it's about Frank who's actually played by Frank Langella that actor that guy's amazing and he is Skeletor himself you got it he is an aging ex-con with memory issues whose son hooks him up with a care robot so you know that's the thing that they have then you can like hire a robot to take care of a family member because you're busy and Frank teaches robot how to pick locks and become his android accomplice (laughs) so yeah it's some unsteady moral ground but the helper robot reluctantly plays along but eventually draws the line and Frank agrees to quit after one last career crowning heist so this isn't the same as some of the dystopians warning of the evils of technology but it's one of those like a view on the lovable AI trend um, that provides like a clear examination on the implications of how we relate to it and how it kind of changes the way that people relate to each other but um what I what I really love about it is that essentially this robot is programmed to do a single task, you know, it, which is to improve Frank's lifestyle. And it's not above breaking moral codes like stealing and lying, because if that is making Frank happy, <laughs> then it's like, well, I guess that's still what I'm programmed to do. And it uses really sure. human expressions. It has um, a metallic, unemotional voice but it resembles a human without actually looking like a person. So I'd say that it's really probably the closest that Hollywood has gotten to um, what developers are actually coming up with. Because I read some articles and I saw some video clips of things that they're working on and they did remind me of Robot from this. And it's like the whole thing about people become creating an emotional bond with a robot who you know, as we discussed, is only interpreting data and is totally incapable of returning such feelings. Um, And that's really hard on us. And you see that with Frank's growing attachment to the robot. It's really, really believable feeling. Um, Yeah, but it keeps a logical self self aware of its lack of humanity. So it's a super, super cute film and I highly recommend it. I mean I mean Frank Langella, he's in it. I know he's definitely gonna be killing it. That dude can emote like nobody's business. 
He really, he He's really can. Uh oh. What'd you say? This phone. Can I just say this phone thing stinks? Like I'm barely even aggravated at you. I've realized it's mostly your face. It's your expressions that make me mad throughout a recording. Now I have nothing but yeah, like a cute kitten to look at. How can I get angry? Yeah, I, I don't like it. I got to tell you, it's throwing off our whole banter and back and forth. If you're not looking like you're going to stab me with a pen by the end of the show, I don't know what we're doing. We don't know what to do. Here's what's up. For next week, I'm going to try a different way, and then maybe we can Zoom record. I assume that that's possible. I don't know how that will sound. Not like this sounds amazing. So we'll try something new next week. Does that work for you? Hey, it works for me. We get the audience get to tell us which one sounds better. Oh, okay, that's true. Um, so before we end this one, even though I got to talk about nothing, I do want to mention a couple books. We obviously talked about Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep because it's amazing. Um, Neuromancer by William Gibson. That's pretty much a must-go-to. It's the winner of the Hugo, the Nebula, and the Philip K. Dick Awards. Um, and it's like the start of that cyberpunk kind of genre it's about a group of mercenary criminal criminals who secretly work for an artificial intelligence that's trying to break free and cyberpunk in general is a genre that focuses on future societies where technology has advanced but crime and corruption have as well which you know sounds about right um have you read that book by the way no i haven't got a chance like I don't have the time. Who has the time these days to sit down and read a book? <laughs> yeah, nice, nice try, Jacob. Um, also, the book I Robot by Isaac Asimov, another classic. It is the first and most widely read book in his robot series. He has a bunch of them. And I think it forever changed the world's perception of artificial intelligence. They did make it into a movie, which I did not see because I heard it stunk. Yeah, I saw it, and those people were correct. The movie did stink. Which Although is, you, you are a you are a Shia LaBeouf fan, and he is technically in that movie. So oh well, I'll be watching it now. But this is a story of robots gone mad and mind reading robots, robots with a sense of humor, anything you can want. We got robot politicians, robots who secretly run the world, and you know it's all told with that dramatic blend of science fact and science fiction that is really Asimov's trademark. So there's a reason that he has so many books and people love him. And this is definitely a really good place to start if you haven't read anything. And then the last one I'll throw in uh, will be Hyperion by Dan Simmons. Um, So this one has, there's a world called Hyperion, which is, you know, out of the reach of galactic law or whatever. And within that, there's a creature called the, the Shrike. And there's people who worship this creature. There's people who fear it. There's those who have vowed to destroy it. Um, And it's kind of just combining all of those characters and people moving forwards and backwards through time. And, you know, what the Shrike is going to do is it waits for them all. And then a lot of the book takes place on the eve of Armageddon and this entire galaxy war. Um, Yada, yada, fate, humanity, crazy so that's the book for you. <laughs> that's that's another I, good I, AI. I like one. when you say when you start talking about eating humanity. I'm, like, I'm listening. I'm yeah, you're, you're like I I am interested in that. Okay, well I think we made it through. Why don't you plug us up as best you can, and I'll take us on out. All right, folks. So everything that we talk about in all booked up is available at your local library. Unfortunately, they're closed at the moment. Um, but sure you're not. 
you go ahead and visit us at www.buffalolib.org. There's a bunch of online stuff we can do for you there. Rent some books, get some audio books, get some music. We got the whole nine yards for you. Just go on there. We can help you out as best we can. Don't forget, we also have some virtual learning and some other information on our website as well besides books. It's like your catch-all. Just go there, check some stuff out. It's here to learn on. We're here to help you even though you guys cannot come in at the moment. So don't worry, man. The whole library is here for you. I would also say that the library's Facebook page has been posting like in a crazy amount of content. So if you don't know about it, there I, I mean, there's stories, there's cooking, there's crafts. I've been posting a lot of pictures of my kitten. So, I mean, just for that alone is worth checking out. I mean, I, I, I've been... That's what I've been enjoying. I'm, I'm all about the character. <laughs> okay, so let's do a couple AI facts here. Um, a PwC report estimates that AI will contribute $15.7 trillion to the global economy by 2030 because AI will make products and services better and it's expected to boost North American uh, GDP by 14% that year, which is bananas. <laughs> Okay. I mean, it's just well, the way it's that. the way things are going, people. So as we see more and more, that's when I get nervous. Though I'm getting I'm getting nervous. <laughs> Can't help it. Uh, if you're, yeah, if you're working at like a Burger King or something, then you should be shaking in your boots. In I think in most most places you should worry. Um, most interesting is that AI assistants are usually female. So I mean, and we see it now, be it Siri or Cortana or Alexa. Um, you know, they're mostly have female voices and there's actually a reason behind it because the female voice has been proven to be preferred for the assistant. I don't know if that's just sexist, but the studies suggest that people find it preferable to hear a female voice when compared with a, with a male voice. And most men are attached to female voices and that's why most of the AI bots are programmed that because everybody just seems happier listening to women. So take that, Jacob. Yep. No, I, I agree 100%. I had a male AI talking. I was like, get out of here, jerk. Tell <laughs> your sister, let her come. Stop cramping my style. Great. And then this last one I had never heard of. Um, Nautilus. Are you familiar with Nautilus? No, not actually. Okay, so it is a supercomputer that holds the capacity to make predictions about the future based on the news articles that are fed to it. So basically, really? Yeah, Nautilus is more like it's like a self learning machine, and it actually came into the limelight when it was able to locate Osama bin Laden within 200 kilometers. The computer did it. Wow. Yeah, right? So currently scientists are working on this supercomputer to see if it can predict more actual future events instead of kind of the ones that have already occurred. So... Oh, Michelle, I just got a big smile on my face when you were talking about that. Do you know why? No way. Because you are going to have a lot of fun watching season three of Westworld because you may or may not have just stumbled upon something that's part of the plot this year. I don't oh, know. We'll see. see? Okay, I'm a little more intrigued. Now I'm going to check it out. Um, so thank you so much for listening. I hope it didn't sound too terrible. We're going to keep working on things separately. Hopefully this is ending soon and I'll be back together with my boo-boo here. Uh, but until then, follow us on All Booked Up Pod on Twitter and we will catch you next time. Bye.